Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's time for our uh, good friend Scott Newark, former Alberta prosecutor, former executive director of the Canadian Police Association, senior policy advisor to a federal minister for public safety and adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University to join us on a number of issues we'd like to discuss with Scott. But before we do that, you're not so far from Ottawa, and uh, I'm sure that in your uh, in your your mansion must have been shaken by by uh, by the weather yesterday as well. Well, our power went off for probably about ten seconds. Uh, here at the People's Republic of Brockville, we have barriers up to prevent uh, hurricanes from coming in. So we really we had a little bit of wind, but that was about it. Yeah, well, not so good in Ottawa. Do you no. you know people in Ottawa? Have you talked to folks there today? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like any uh, severe weather uh, event, it's, uh, it, it always seems to be, you know, you look and you go, you just couldn't imagine that it would have that kind of impact, you know? But yeah. The, Do you know, I, 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 I remember um, after the ice storm, in ni- yeah. it was 1998, right? It was 98. Uh, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. yes. I was here in Brockville then, yeah. I drove to Quebec and drove through Quebec uh, a couple of years later, and even then... Hydro tower, no, the 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 um, the uh, towers, you know, that hold yeah, up yeah. the cables. What, what, what I'm trying to say, they were still at 45 and 90 degree angles and twisted into shapes like pretzels. They have obviously had new ones that were much much stronger, but uh, things happen with uh, with with weather, and it was awful uh, situation that folks are well, facing in Ottawa. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to be without power, Scott. Ten yeah, seconds is fine. Ten hours not so good. That, uh, we need more greenhouse gas emissions. Yes, sir. Okay, let's... Sorry, I'm actually from Alberta, so... Yeah. I know you're from Alberta. Sort of from Alberta. Sort of from Alberta. Former Alberta prosecutor. Let's talk about some of the issues that, that, uh, that are on your mind and my mind, too, but mostly, most, most important is to hear what you have to say. I just pitch in re- occasionally. The, the Toronto Danforth shooter, uh, yes. okay, Faisal Hussein. Now we know, I was reading the story on Global News by Andrew Russell and Stuart Bell, Toronto Danforth shooter arrested and released two days before mass yeah. shooting. Police docs, as in police documents. To the prosecutor, what does this say? Well, I think more than to the prosecutor. Uh, oh, sorry, you mean to me. Yeah, well, to you. Yeah. Um, frankly, uh, my, my first thought about this was uh, I think all of us need to appreciate. Uh, congratulations to the media for digging in on this and not just getting uh, pushed away and con- contesting when the Crown tried to oppose release of any information, and they finally got some of this information released. And you never know. I mean, we've, we've wondered uh, several times why it's taken so long for this information to be released. And, I mean, obviously, the Toronto police are probably not uh, all that pleased that the public is now aware that they had this guy uh, and had the opportunity to hold on to him. And that was only a shoplifting case, but it also appears from the uh, materials that are reported, that they did have access 
uh, to the, uh, the data in relation to his previous mental health issues. Um, I think, however, the things that are uh, really uh, most important about this is the, um, as you say, the, uh, the fact of the, uh, the pre-arrest. But this is, it's important to understand, this information comes from what are known as ITOs, information uh, to obtain. It's where the, uh, the cops have to go to court and, in effect, swear in information to get a judge to approve a warrant for them to go into this guy's house to search his uh, house for what might be uh, relevant uh, uh, materials which they did. What I find the most interesting of all about this is that um, one of the uh, reasons that they said they wanted to go and get his electric, electronic devices and smartphones and things was because they wanted to see if he had any uh, network of contacts or if there was any uh, links in relation to this in terms of a uh, terrorist attack. Well, I think that is, given the nature of what it was that the guy did, I think that is obviously logical. And yet, contrast that with what Federal Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale said immediately after the event that there was oh, no information whatsoever suggesting in any way that this might be a security-related event or terrorism-related. Yeah, well, the police you know, were doing their job and thought otherwise, and we, and we still, to this day, two months later, we don't know what they found. The other thing that is really interesting, if you read the, uh, the materials of this, is the fact that uh, his parents... Um, gave contradictory information about this guy. Yes. Yep. And the mother in particular um, told the police that he had never left Canada, whereas his father said, well, yeah, I took him to Pakistan. Knowingly giving false information to the police during an investigation is a crime. So I wonder if that is going to be something that is actually investigated. So what do you expect will happen then going forward? Because the public appetite has been whetted. People have the right to know. Yes. They have the right to know what the story is, and they have the right to know that it's not going to be kept from from us, from the public, and it's for, for any reason, whatever the reason may, may be, it, yeah. they, they don't have the right to do that. I have a feeling there is probably some um, institutional, uh, you know, bureaucratic uh, self-interest going on here. Because this guy was injured and ultimately, you know, killed, shot himself, which again is confirmed in this information, right. the uh, Special Investigation Unit has jurisdiction, and the, pre- the protocols are that they're the ones that can speak on it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think it's absolutely absurd. Okay, uh, You bet the police interacted with this guy and shot at him. They would have been negligent had they not done so, and we know that he shot himself. Why has it taken two months for the SIU to come out and tell us you know, what actually took place, so the police can then reveal all of the relevant information about what the motivation was for this attack. Scott, how would, it, how would things be different if he were still alive? Well, because there would be charges pending. Yeah. So they would want to make sure that whatever information was released was not something that could arguably jeopardize his right to a fair trial. The one thing that is interesting that I, I saw about this as well, too, I was thinking about it, one of the reasons why you don't release information about what you're looking for is potentially if you've got ongoing investigations. In other words, you don't want to alert uh, you know, anybody else who was helping him that you maybe found information that says there were people that were helping them, because mm-hmm. that could interfere with the investigation. I don't know that that's the case you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it is extremely important that the media was able to do their job and get us some some basic information that shows that there is more information, as you say, that the public is, has the uh, the right to know. It's interesting when you say uh, getting information to the public. I, as you were saying that, I remember sitting in this very studio 
after Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey had been abducted by Bernardo and, yeah. and Homolka. And I was sitting with uh, Chief Inspector Vince Bevan of the Green Ribbon Task Force yes. of the Niagara Regional Police, and he was in charge of the investigation. And he gave me the only radio interview that he did, and we sat in the studio. And during the, our conversation, Chief Inspector Be- Bevan said to me on the air, by the way, I suspect the individuals who did this are listening. Yeah. So that you know that caught my attention and i i said why and you know he said because they want to know how close we are to them so he he used the plural and that gave me clearly indication where they were they were on the trail that it wasn't just one person they were looking for they were providing uh they were alerting those people and we know now homolka and uh and uh, and bernardo that they were onto them so it's it, that was managed information, and that can be very useful. Yeah, and that's what I think is so important about in the information to obtain that the police indicate to the judge what they're looking for to get authorization to go after the devices. And you'll notice, I mean, again, I don't believe these guys at all, but ISIS has claimed again that uh, this was their most successful. They issued their annual report this week, and they said that this was the, their most successful terrorist attack this year. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Okay, uh, in the wake of the controversy over Ontario courts disagreeing with each other over the Ford administration legislation to cut Toronto City Council and regular complaints for years now about activist courts overruling legislation, is it time for Canadian judges to be elected instead of appointed by the Prime Minister of the day? And be careful what you say because I have evidence. I have evidence of a a rather youthful-appearing individual uh, writing a column in 1994 that had to do with that. Uh, let me uh, put this as succinctly as I can. Your question is whether or not I think judges should be elected? Yes. No. Why not? Well, let me ask you, first of all, um, is your complaint about the nature and qualifications of the individuals who are being appointed, or is it about, as I took from your introduction, the lack of accountability of judges and the way that they are becoming activists and acting outside their mandate. I believe I believe I'm being set up by the by the prosecutor, and, and so I'll go with option B. Yes, and you're correct. By the way, that is that is the correct answer. Okay, and 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 that really goes to the point. I think there's a better way to achieve um, accountability within our uh, system than by uh, having people elected. Um, uh, I understand the point about doing that. It's, it's not so much the first election, it's thereafter to, to have them understand that they could be held accountable. The point, though, is our system uh, is based on the independence of our judiciary and the, um, uh, the discretion that is held by the officials, whether they're uh, police, prosecutors, judges, uh, even after conviction uh, corrections officers, one of the places where I think our system is breaking down and it's re-emerging in a really uh, uh, aggravated way is that um, judges are overstepping what their discretion actually is and substituting, in effect, their policy choices, which is not appropriate. And we've, over the last 
certainly over the last years, but even just over the last you know, couple of months, uh, we've discussed specific instances of that. I just think there are better ways that you could actually do that without causing what I think would be uh, damage to the system by having people have to stand for election. The, the criteria and motivation for elected officials as opposed to judicial officials are different. No, I, I get all of that. And I, I look at but what I don't what I'm getting tired of is legislation being passed or proposed and you know it's going to pass because it's a majority government that is proposing the legislation, so it's going to pass. Then it's handed off to a judge who makes a decision and then you wait for another court to either support the decision of the original judge and if that judge does, if that court does not, then the option is always, so depending on the case, that, that you could then, you could uh, count, challenge the, the appeal court, and then it could end up with the Supreme Court. So you have, and then the Supreme Court might not make a decision, as they didn't in the prostitution case. So you could be treading water, and governments are just avoiding controversy. Yeah, and I think what's also happened as a, uh, as a result of the charter and the increase in authority granted to our judges Number one, it, the, you know, we're now like about 35 years in. Um, policing has been, the exercise of discretion by police officers has been very much stifled and suppressed. Uh, they have to comply with processes. As I've said before, the issue in our justice system today is not whether the evidence is relevant, it's whether it's admissible. And so we make the cops go through all these hoops Boy, that's a statement. to be able to you know, meet some judicial standards. Yeah. Um, where I think the system has also broken down, Roy, and I admit my bias in this, is that um, I don't think uh, uh, that the Crown prosecutors across the country are exercising their discretion the way that they should be. When judges are making um, inappropriate decisions, you know, for example, like uh, awarding, as you and I discussed a decade ago, um, extra pretrial custody credit because they didn't like the conditions in remand, those should have been appealed by the Crown. And instead, it, what we're getting is a, uh, has been described as a culture of compliance in our um, uh, justice system where you just go along with things. Mm -hmm. And instead of exposing some of these judges, there was a case we talked about a couple of weeks ago called McCall, where an Ontario Supreme, Superior Court justice struck down the self-induced extreme intoxication for sexual uh, yes. assault. Okay, and... That was, and the column you referred to, I wrote that back in 1994 about that case, where it was the Supreme Court of Canada saying, oh, we're just going to make up this defense. And then Justice Minister Alan Rock and I actually, I worked very closely with him, and we drafted a bill and laid out the entire preamble, why it was doing that, which hadn't been the case, and made it so that that was not a defense. That's what this justice just struck down a couple of weeks ago, and went so far as to even say... Um, I've read the preamble, and yes, I'm supposed to take into account, you know, that Parliament has considered this and that presumptively they're doing uh, what their yeah. authority is. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just because they wanted to overturn the decision. So Do you I'm remember, though, down. remember the story, and we only have 45 seconds here, but you remember the story about the individuals who were driving at exactly the speed limit? And that got the attention of a couple of police officers. Yes. And so they pulled the car over because nobody yes. drives at exactly the speed limit. And they found in the car, they found some $300,000 worth of illegal drugs. Ah, uh, yes. Right? And it Bye. went to court and the police laid the charge. Uh, the Crown laid the charge. I'm not sure which province it was in. And then the judge said, oh, no, you didn't have reasonable cause to search the car. What a bunch of hooey. Yeah. See, I think we should be using, number one, increase that Crown discretion. Number yeah. two, 
actually be making complaints about judges where okay. they inappropriately exercise okay. you know, become activists. Let's let's pick this up next Report weekend because some some other a lot we could do. Got to go. Right, pick buddy. up some other issues next weekend because we didn't get to them today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Scott Newark. The guy's a gem. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 